With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, the question for you at home is this. Who is the most famous athlete worldwide? If you were to go into any country and ask any citizen of that country, name one athlete, who is the name you think they would name? Tweet at anybody on this desk except for me. My timeline is flooded already. Anyway, this is Speak. I am Emmanuel Acho, but most importantly, far and slick. Rick the Buker, how are we, my guy? Uh, we are good. I was a little nervous last night about the what, which Joy Taylor I'd be seeing today, and now I'm not so nervous. Are we talking to Joy friendly because it's not nice so how are we talking to you today joy i mean how you usually talk to me <laughs> with respect yeah with common courtesy and, and maybe <laughs> maybe a little consolation <laughs> eagles all-time rushing leader LaShawn shady mccoy dressed in all black i like it two five i like it you kept me on my toes this week yesterday you were in sway today in all black i don't really know how to emotionally feel but you look good nonetheless you look good okay who looked great the nuggets they bounced back in a major way in game three. I mean, a major, major way. Dominant performance. Never in the history of basketball have we seen two players on the same team in the same game have 30-point triple-doubles. We saw that yesterday. I cannot overstate how impressive that was. You are watching this sports show because we are going to tell you everything you need to know about what happened in the biggest sporting event currently going on, particularly in this country. Joy, you're the resident Heat fan. Nobody is going to be more passionate about this matter than you are. I have been waiting for hours to hear your reaction. What was your reaction to Game 3, the Nuggets performance, the Heat performance? I mean, it's a frustrating watch as a Heat fan, but I can also compartmentalize. And it was one of the all-time great playoff performances that we've ever seen by Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. which you have to say, had to be expected at some point yeah. <laughs> this finals. He's had an unbelievable season. He's had an unbelievable three straight seasons production-wise, and he was brilliant last night. I mean, he looked like he was playing a different sport. And sometimes when you are playing against a great, that's just what they're going to do. I mean, Pete players can jump pretty high. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get the rebounds, but that was not happening last night. It was this I'll take that, I'll take that one, and I will take that one. <laughs> and that's essentially how the night went. Uh, Jamal Murray also had an unbelievable night as well, and that paired with the Heat having a terrible start to the third quarter, but they never really recovered from. Yeah. They're, they're going to play the whole game as they always do. We made it a little scrappy at the end, uh, kept it exciting, but it, it was really out of reach after the third quarter, and that had a lot to do with the fact that the shooting was not there once again. And I, I think that if you pay attention to when the Heats, I don't want to call them role players because they're not role players, but when the Heats players outside of Bam and Jimmy do not contribute at the level that they need to contribute at, which is just what they average, mm-hmm. the Heat cannot stay in the game. So I think it was an unbelievable night by Jokic um, and, and Murray. I I don't really want to put too much uh, emphasis on everybody else, though, because everyone else didn't really contribute at a super high level. It was those two going off and matching with the Heat struggling from shooting. Joy, I'm genuinely curious. As a fan of sport, I love not only your opinion as an opinionist, but your opinion as a fan of the Miami Heat who has seen them over their run with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. But this run, at what point when you assess the Heat and you assess the Nuggets, does worry ever creep into your mind as a fan? Not as an opinionist, but seeing like through three games, Point differential is minus 23. On average, it's Mm. usually plus 26 in the Heat's favor. At what point does any sort of worry creep into the mind of Heat fans? Well, I think, I guess I can't answer this objectively because I'm answering as a Heat fan, so it's not objective. But last night told me the story of the gap between the Heat and the Nuggets. And we've talked about this a lot, like the the talent gap and why it's so difficult for everyone to believe in what the Heat are doing. Mm. And what it comes down to is the Heat do not have a volume shooter, Mm -hmm. and the Nuggets do. So if the Nuggets are, you know, someone struggling here or there, they can make up the points for that. The Heat all have to contribute. You don't need Max Schroes to go off for 30, but you do need him to shoot 
10, you need him to get 10 points. Yeah. You need Gabe Vincent to do what he does. He doesn't need to go off for 40. He just needs to do what he does. Yep. Duncan Robinson needs to do what he does, not, gar- not in garbage time. And that was really the difference last night. Gabe Vincent did not have a big night. Caleb Martin did not, had, a, had 10 decent. Max Struess, three points. That's not going to get it done. You need Max Struess, you need Gabe Vincent, and you need Duncan Robinson to contribute, particularly when things are starting to fall apart, which is not what happened last night. So from a Heat fan perspective, that's what makes me nervous, is those guys, we know they're capable of doing it, but those guys have to show up and contribute offensively. Because our volume shooter, the guy that you can count on for 20 a night, is on the bench. Hurt and Tyler Hero. So if Tyler Hero was out there, that's 20 points. Yeah. You, have, you have some questions you have to move around defensively, but you're getting 20 points from Tyler Hero. And you're getting 20 points from Bam Adebayo. And you're getting 20 points from Jimmy Butler. So you don't need everybody to have their, their decent night, night in and night out in the finals. And that's the difference between the Heat and the Nuggets to me. Shady, I want to ask you this question. Obviously, you were watching the game. I believe you and Slick were both watching the game. Guess my smoking a cigar. Smoking a Cuban cigar. Should I say that? Uh, Get it, Miami Cuban. As far as we know, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 2-5. I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking to myself, I'll elaborate on my point after you, that the heat got exposed. Ooh. That's, what, that's, what I, that's the first thought that came to my mind. It's a strong word. I apologize, America. Strong word. That's what came to my mind. Do you think the heat got exposed in game three? What are your thoughts? I want to say exposed, right? Exposed is in like... You found out the weakness and you killed it. Mm-hmm. I, I won't say that. But I just think that it, it came down to their star players played better. Mm-hmm. Jokic and Murray played better, right? And then as a collective group, and that's when we talk about, you know, talent and skill. Yes, sir. Like small things like a different matchup. Okay, Aaron Gordon, you know, he's pick and roll with, with, with Jokic or whatever it is, or, or Jamal Murray, and he gets on um, um, Duncan Robinson. Yep. A 6'8", 6'9", Aaron Gordon to score on Duncan Robinson every given time. Yeah. So small things like that, when I, when I watch it, like for the, the Heat players, I, I feel like the role players, I'm going to call them role players. The role players, other than Gabe Vincent, he's actually a good player. He's a star. But to the role players, they need things to go well for them to go off. Mm-hmm. Right? And I watched the Nuggets, they locked them up. You're not getting no open threes today, bro. Mm-hmm. You, you may, score on me. And they couldn't do it. And then on, on, then on the offensive side for, for the Nuggets, when they were going on there, they were paying the paint. They shot some threes that wasn't going down. Cool. We're going to do mid-rangers, and we go going in the paint to Jokic. And then I, I got to give a lot of credit to um, Mike Malone. Yes. Yes. He came at his team, right, in the press conference before the game, and everybody killed him for it. He's not taking responsibility for him as a coach. No, 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 no. I love what he did. He called him out. I want to see hustle. We're in the finals, and I don't see no type of hustle. I'm concerned. Yep. And if you watched the game last night, I was surprised to see how the Nuggets were out hustling the heat, and you never see that. Very well said. I'm loving this conversation thus far. Slick, let me see if I can convince you. I think the heat got exposed yesterday. Exposed just means... Say it again. They got exposed. It sounds wild. But it is... Exposing has an implication of negativity. Okay. I don't mean that in a negative form. I mean that simply to say, now I know who they are exactly. Hmm. Slick, I don't know ever on a birthday if somebody tried to prank you. They bring out the cake with the candles and you blow them out. And they don't go out. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, maybe I need to give an extra gust of wind. Yeah. You blow again, it doesn't go out. Uh, maybe I need to give an extra gust of wind. By the third... COVID. <laughs> <laughs> by the third time, by the third time you try to blow those candles out, you realize somebody pranking you. They got me. They got me. In my mind, it usually takes one, two, three times to understand what's really going on. Okay. Hmm. Game one, I can't call it. Mm-hmm. The Heat are tired. Mm-hmm. They just finished playing a seven-game series. They're at altitude. Game two, the Heat shot 48% from three. I can't call it. That, that, that ain't real. Right, right, right. So game three, and I think Joy said to some degree, like, this is really the game. She said this yesterday, where we're going to be able to tell some things. Yeah. I agreed with her. Game three, I'm like, you know what? This is who the Heat are. Jimmy Butler can give you 24, 25 points a game. He gave you 28. During the regular season, he averaged 23. On this series, he's averaging 21. Bam Adebayo gives you 20 and 10. That's why he's an all-star. In this series, he's giving you a little bit more than 20 and 10. Last night, I think he gave you 22 and 17. Duncan Robinson, during the regular season, is going to give you, on average, six to seven points. In this series, I believe he's giving you eight points. Mm -hmm. Max Drews, during the regular season, he gives you 12 points. In this playoffs, he's giving you 10. Last night, he gave you six. Caleb Martin, I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. I told, he you, I told you, boys. Con- but he was an Eastern Conference Finals MVP runner-up by one vote. Yeah. One vote was the deciding vote. I don't know who he is. But then in this series last night, I'm like, oh, wait, you only had five points? In this series, you're only averaging about 10 points, eight points? 
ah, this is who you really are. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's just now allowing me to understand that this is who the Heat are, and I just don't believe the Heat are as talented as the Denver Nuggets. That is why I say they got exposed. But, Slick, you are an expert. Did the Heat get exposed? I, I, I don't want to say exposed because, to, to Shady's point, I feel like exposed means that we revealed something new about them. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't something new, the difference in in talent or the difference that the potential size could have mm. an impact yeah. on this series. Uh, I feel like it was exploited mm. finally for the first time okay. because the Denver Nuggets matched the effort and discipline of the Miami Heat in this series. Yes, and sir. I always thought they could. My only concern was maybe on this platform you get a little bit of stage fright mm. and you're a little hesitant and now you're not moving as fast, you don't play as confident. It changes how, how fast and hard you play when you're guessing about or you're just nervous about what's at stake. Last night for the first time they showed me, no, we can match them and here's the difference between the two. And if I'm going to boil it down, I would say it's this because we, we, we just we get so caught up in how the offensive numbers compare, right, whenever we're, ju- we're judging players. But what makes Jimmy and Bam really special is the fact that they both can give you 20 points, 20 plus points, but it's their defensive versatility yeah. and ability yeah, that separates them, yes, right? Sir. So that's the heart of what they do and what they bring to the culture. The Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. And what I saw and I thought was proved last night is that Jokic and Murray are better at being offensive weapons, play at a higher level offensively than Jimmy and Bam can defensively. Mm. And as a result, because I thought what the big, th- the, you know, the, the big difference was that Jokic and Murray, it wasn't just that they scored and were effective, but they got other guys easy buckets. And Jimmy and Bam just can't have that same impact to that level well 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 said this fascinating conversation coming up there's a little breaking news in the national football league four time pro bowl running back dalvin cook four straight 1000 yard seasons released by the minnesota vikings where will that star running back go next he could change the pendulum of talent in the nfl check us out every day on the fox sports channel on sirius xm yes slick i said pendulum but i can't know you did Okay, family, breaking news in the NFL, and this is huge news. I'm glad you're here for it. Dalvin Cook, the man behind me, four-time Pro Bowler. His last four years, four 1,000-yard seasons. Wherever he lands could literally shake up NFL offenses and dictate playoff pictures. So let me tell you where I believe he should land. Top five landing spots for Dalvin Cook. At five, I'm going with the Washington Commanders. Remember, they got a new offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, a former running back coach. Eric Bieniemy needs to find tools to utilize. Brian Robinson Jr., he's the running back. He overcame that bullet wound last year. Antonio Gibson, he's a running back as well. But they're both third-round picks formally. That doesn't mean as much as their lack of 1,000-yard seasons in their short career. Dalvin Cook, four straight 1,000-yard seasons. At number four, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See, playoff Lenny, he's not there anymore. Who do they have? Rashad White. But once again, haven't seen a 1,000-yard season out of that young running back. Dalvin Cook is just 27 years old. It makes a lot of sense, Bucks. It makes a lot of sense. And number three. Arizona Cardinals. Now, James Carner is tough, he's durable, and I encourage you to look up his story. But once again, where the thousand yard seasons at, young fella? James Conner, like Dalvin Cook, 27 years of age. James Conner, a little bit more of a bruiser. That would be a beautiful tandem. Thunder, lightning, that's a beautiful pairing. Dalvin Cook, James Conner, I like him in Arizona at number three. But number two, this is where everybody's putting Dalvin Cook. The Denver Broncos, because Javante Williams is the lead back, the feature back there. But unfortunately, an ACL, I believe an LCL injury last year that he is recovering from, only played four games last year. Dalvin Cook could instantly come, team up with Russell Wilson, team up with Sean Payton, team up with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. The names go on and on offensively. I really, really like Dalvin Cook. 
to the Broncos. But lastly, this makes the most sense for me. And I might be biased, but I like a little bit of speed. The Miami Dolphins are at number one. Tyree kills out right. Jalen Waddles out left. Tua Tungabailoa, he's under center. But if you can get Dalvin Cook in the backfield, with Raheem Mostert, a former Big Ten 60-meter champion. He's got burners, but he's 31 years old. He played with me in Philadelphia. I've been retired for a long time. Jeff Wilson, he is in Miami too, but Mostert and Wilson don't have 1,000 yards. The running back, Devin A-Chain, he's a rookie out of Texas A&M, a third-round pick. Dalvin Cook makes the most sense in Miami. I got Washington. I got the Bucks. I got the Cardinals. I got the Broncos, but really, I love the Miami Dolphins. Let's head to the desk and see what LaShawn McCoy loves. Oh, running back to running back. Running back, baby. Look, nobody on TV more qualified, literally, I say that often, but nobody more qualified to talk about running backs than LaShawn McCoy. Eagles all-time rushing leader, 15,000 yards in the National Football League, all-purpose, two all-pros, six Pro Bowls, future Hall of Famer. I'm speaking it into existence. All-decade team. You keep forgetting that, dog. Keep forgetting all-decade. Shady, if I freaking say you're a future Hall of Famer, give me some grace. Like, give me some grace. All decade. Like, a future Hall of Famer trumps that. Joey, you feel me? Yeah. Everybody can't do that. So, come on. Come on, man. One more line. Come on, man. You know how many lines I Let's do him a solid. Like, his resume was was extensively long at that point. It just seems like you don't mention that often. Yeah. You're right. That's like it doesn't mean anything. Let me get the cook. Let me talk about running backs. Let me talk about these running backs. What makes the most sense for Dalvin Cook? I got two teams, yes, right? I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you my first one. You talk about Miami Dolphins. Mike McDaniel will love this. Mm-hmm. They love speed. You got Waddle. You got Hill. Now you got Cook in the back. And then I just look at the offense that they ran in San Francisco. He comes from that background. Imagine that. Imagine how he designs all these plays. Yeah. Oh my God. We talk about Tua being safe. That's safe. Speed everywhere. Four three, mm-hmm. four two. You name it. But my best landing spot for Cook. I'm going with the Chiefs. Ooh. They got Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Yes, sir. Right? Strong, physical running back. Mm. But then you, you sprinkle a little that cooking there, that little that 4-3. You got Kelsey, you got wide receivers, you got Patrick Mahomes. As a defender, as a, as a defensive coordinator, when you come in to, to scout the Chiefs, yeah. all right, we got to take away Kelsey, we got to take away Patrick Mahomes, all this, right? And then you look in the backfield, now you got Cook. I mean... If it's me, I'm doing it. I know Big Red. I know Andy Reid, how he gets down. I know Brett Veach, GM. I know he's on that phone. Make the call. Shady, let me ask you. Um, Isaiah Pacheco showed a lot of promise last year. He Seventh did. Seventh round pick out of Rutgers. Yep. No expectations. Uh-huh. He became the starter over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Clyde, a former first round pick yeah. out of LSU. Yeah. So Isaiah Pacheco is a dude. What aspect, you've been in running back rooms, you were in running back rooms for 12 years. What aspect, if you are the Chiefs, are you saying to yourself, let's not dim the light of Isaiah Pacheco by bringing in a guy like Dalvin Cook? Because I love that answer. Yeah, yeah. What well, well, well first of all, nowadays, every team are utilizing two running backs. Okay. That's like the new system. When I was playing, the big dogs, we taking on the whole show. I want first, second, yeah. third down, and even fourth down. They don't do that no more. And then you look at the Chiefs, you know, I always was big on, like, Having a, a, a veteran in the room, Andy Reid's big on that. When I was there in Philadelphia, when I first got drafted, we had Brian Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Tremendous leadership, tremendous vet teaching me the game. A lot of guys don't have that. Yeah. Pacheco don't have that. And I think Pacheco's a really, really good running back. He has a lot more things to learn. Mm. He has a great start. You bring in a, a veteran like Cook in there, oh, my God. Yeah. I think it, all, it, um, um, it makes his game better, and it also makes Cook's game better. Phenomenal point. Joy, where do you stand? Where's the best landing spot for Dalvin Cook? I love this topic because all of us have different answers. <laughs> so we're really playing fantasy football right now. Yeah. It's like a fun little time to do that before we start actually finding out who's interested in him. Because I think he would be very interesting with the Steelers. When I think of the Steelers' Mm. offensive identity, they always have Mm. fast, big wide receivers. They have a solid run game. Now, they have Mm. Najee Harris, but like Shady said, it's a two-back system pretty much anywhere you go now. They don't want to wear somebody down. And if you have a creative offensive coordinator, you can really utilize a guy like Dalvin Cook who can blast off. Mm. So having a young quarterback with a solid run game like that would be very interesting, and obviously that's what the Steelers like to do. And I think that the Rams could use Dalvin Cook. Very the Rams are a team that is aggressive. They will, now, they don't have a lot of cap space, but we're not really playing that game right now. We're just pretending like money doesn't matter, so mm. this is what we're doing. They could use him alongside Cam Akers. So they have, a, they have a deep running back room right now, but they really need that star power, especially Matthew Stafford coming off of the injury that he had. 
I think it'd be interesting with the Rams. Remember, Cam Akers was a healthy scratch for games last yeah, year. I'm about to say that. Yeah. There's a lot of tension between him, the starting running back for the Rams, and what was going on with Sean McVay and the rest yeah. of that Rams. They were trying yeah. to move him for they a while. They were trying too. to move him. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he got moved. So I love that Rams answer. Slick, where are you at? Well, there would be no tension in Denver hmm. with mm. Sean Payton. And the word is that they already have been monitoring Dalvin Cook's situation. So I want to go someplace where I know that they want me and they believe that I'm going to be part of it. And I look at Sean Payton coming in, creative offensive head coach. Uh, we're starting from scratch. So get in on the ground floor as Sean Payton builds this, especially if he sees me as being part of it. You got a shaky quarterback who has generally done better when there is an established run game. Yep. And the bar isn't set all that high. And to the Shady's point, like you have, I think, Javante Williams there, right? Uh, yeah. But you, you uh, one, I want to make sure that I'm going someplace where there's going to be a lot of touches. Like, yeah. is Miami, how much is Miami actually going to run the ball, right? How much, how many touches am I going to get with the Chiefs? Like, Pittsburgh, I think, is, a, is another one of those options. But I got this one-two punch as the veteran coming in, working off of Javante, like, I like that combination, and I like putting my career in the hands of Sean Payton. Shady, I have a question for you. Love this topic I primarily for you. For you. <laughs> Three attributes. Money, winning, touches. Mm. Money, winning, touches. You have been a high-priority free agent, mm. if you will. Now, you were that later in your mm. career, but you've had to make that decision. Money, winning, touches. You chose winning. You yeah. went to the Chiefs, yeah. and you chose winning. Yeah. You went to the Bucks, and you chose winning. Dalvin Cook's 27, four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Two years ago, he had 312 carries. 312. That's a lot. That's, That's a lot. lot of carries. That's a lot. He wants his touches. What would be the biggest priority to you if you're 27 years old, four straight 1,000-yard seasons, four straight Pro Bowls, Dalvin Cook? That's a good question. Uh, we didn't prep for this. Not at all. He's a really good running back. He has a, a, a solid resume. And he's only 27. See, when I started going, well, I won't say going downhill, but when they looked at me like I was going downhill, <laughs> I was 30-plus, where he's 27. If I'm him, I'm trying to make decent money, not, not the main concern, decent money, right? Not top dollar. And I'm going somewhere where I could play on a winning team and be a contributor. Mm. There. Because he's going to take a one-year deal. Yep. He's going to take a one-year deal to show him uh, uh, the Vikings was tripping. I'm still mm. that guy. Go there, you ball out, make decent money, be productive, yep. Yep. right, which players don't do nowadays. Mm. And then go to another team, they might give him a three-year deal. But you need, touches. you need touches to be able to do that, right? I disagree, mm. right? I just okay. always think that, man, I need more touches to, to, mm. to showcase how good I really am, right? Because Andy Reid didn't really run the ball like that. But anyway, right. but I learned that, yo, I can be just as productive with left touches. So now I got an offense where wide receiver on this side, wide receiver on this side. My quarterback is solid enough. He's throwing the ball, keep keeping the, uh, the defense alignment and the safety's not in the box. Now, if I get 12 carries and maybe three, three screens, I'm still getting yeah. busy. Yeah. Compared yeah. to a lot of running backs, they just pound in there, pound yeah. in there, all these yeah. carries yeah. And, and, and small yards per carry. So yeah. you, could get, you could utilize, That's you know, fair. your very, running back a certain way. Very much so like Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, great example. Did not get a lot of touches, but everyone he got, yeah. he made count. Got it, Jamal Charles, another one. Yes, yes, make him count. Okay, coming up, we got to get back to the action of the day. Game three in the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals. Serious business, y'all. What happened to the Miami Heat? Why did they take that L? And can they course correct it? Come find out the answer next on Speak. We just hanging. Glad to have y'all here. Just hanging. Baseball is back, and so is Slippin' Bats. Five times a week, Monday through Friday. So follow us on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Let the good times roll to the NBA, please. Game three, NBA Finals. Jokic, 30, 20, 10. First 30, 20, and 10. Triple double we have seen in finals history. But Jimmy Butler, he went out there and did his thing, two 28 points of his own. However, it wasn't enough. Take a listen to Jimmy Butler's post-game reaction to the loss. We feel great. We didn't play our best tonight. Uh, I feel like we just got to come out with more energy and effort, and um, that's correctable. That's on us as a, as a group. No X's and O's can fix that. So, you know, come out, dive on the floor, get loose balls, get defensive rebounds, and um, maybe, just maybe, it would have been a different game. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Hmm. Um, hmm. I'm frustrated. You frustrated? Shady, let me vent to you for a moment. 
I'm so sick and tired of hearing energy and effort, energy and effort. It's the NBA Finals. It's game three of the NBA Finals. You shouldn't have to be told nor reminded to play with energy and effort. I don't think energy and effort cost to heat the game. See, when you say energy and effort, that's a psychological principle known as self-handicapping. Shady, I learned about it studying for my master's degree. Self-handicapping. It's when you don't study for a test so that when you fail the test, you say, oh, I failed because I didn't study. That way, you assume had you studied, you would have passed. Not that you weren't intelligent enough to pass, but you failed because you didn't study. See, you protect your self-esteem. When you say we lost because we didn't give enough effort, mm -hmm. that's still within your control. You didn't lose because a Joker gave you 30, 20, and 10. You didn't lose because Jamal Murray gave you 10 and 30, 10 and 10. You lost because we didn't play with enough energy and effort. So assuming you fix your energy and effort, you will win. I don't think that's the case. I'm watching the game. It was the 8:01 minute mark, first quarter. Heat missed a three. Max Truth comes cutting in. All the energy and effort in the world. Gets the rebound. He kicks it to the corner, and then they make the three. I believe this is a play right here. I think that's Struce right there. He runs for the, for the board. They get a second chance on it early in the game. They kick it one time. I think it goes to the corner. I haven't seen it now in 12 hours. Vincent right there and bam three. That is energy and that is effort. That's not why you lost the game. You lost the game because Denver got some dogs over there. So stop talking to me about energy and effort in my mind. But Shady, who do you blame? What do you blame for the game three? Balls? I mean, only with the school for two years at Pittsburgh, so I don't have no matches and all that. But I think they're right. I think Jimmy's right. And by the way, that outfit was nice. It was. That was like the old Willie Beeman outfit, <laughs> Deion Sanders <laughs> type. So, so you showed the first quarter. Yes, sir. We all got energy in the first quarter. <laughs> I'm running, you run, everybody's running. <laughs> but when you got a, a seven-footer, I don't want to call him 300 pounds, but he looked 300 pounds, and he's banging you in, pause the whole time down yep. in the post, you gonna get tired. Yep. And when you get tired, you get fatigued. Fair. And when you get fatigued, you might not run to the corner. Fair. You see Fair. what I'm saying? Fair. So when I look at this game, it was a, it was a, it was a group effort for, for the Heat. They got to do better, mm -hmm. right? Like, they got killed in the paint. Killed in the paint for rebounds and scoring. And then when, when, I, when he talks about the effort, it's, it's, it's a collective thing. We all got to get in here and box out. We all got to get in here and stop this pick and roll action. It's too many times I've seen Jokic miss a shot, get the rebound, put it back up. Somehow, uh, Mary shoots a shot, misses it, Aaron Gordon gets put, put back. Mm -hmm. Like, so when he talks about the effort part, and when we look at the heat, that's what we know them for. Having effort, being tough, having shown that grit, that toughness. I didn't see it last night. But Shady, let me, let me, let me go back with you for okay, a second. Let's, let's go back. Thank I got Martin. time today. We do the show. We're teammates here, but we were teammates a decade ago, 2013 Philadelphia Eagles. I had to live and embody this quote, Joy. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's true. Because in the National Football League, I was not the most talented player, but I would work my butt off. If Shady didn't work that hard in a day in practice, you better believe I was going to get him. But in the event that talent decided to work hard, it didn't matter what hard work did. <laughs> hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Great quote. Parents right, keep right. telling your it kids is. that. Yeah. But what they omit is... What in the world happens when talent does work hard? When talent works hard, to me, you're hard-pressed to win. You say that the Nuggets out-rebounded the Heat, but in the regular season, points in the paint, Nuggets were fourth, Heath were 27. Mm -hmm. You talk about Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is a slam-dunk runner-up at 6'9". Of yeah. course he can get up. Yeah. You talk about Jokic. Jokic is 6'11", 7 feet. Bam Adebayo, 6'9". Yeah. Kevin Love is old. Jimmy Butler, 6'7". Of course Jokic is going to get boards. Mm -hmm. So how much of it in your mind is effort versus just, you know what, the predominant players that the Heat put on the court aren't as tall or as young. Well, well, I mean, and I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because you say all that, I mean, they did lose game two. Mm -hmm. That did happen. That's Sorry. real, right? Them same players. Mm -hmm. I think, and, and another part to say you're right is, I do think the Nuggets are just better, just better players, right? Because when the Heat didn't have open shots and, 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 they, and they weren't out hustling the, the Nuggets and it was a fair game, the Nuggets got the better part of them. You, you talked about the talent part. Like, okay, you got Jimmy, you got Bam, then who? Mm -hmm. Because even though we want these role players to be, I don't know, like playing really, really well like they have been, but what happens when the other team is more athletic, more talented, and they playing defense? Mm. So that's what I talk about, like the better team. And I think that the Nuggets having a much better team and they playing hard, the Heat had no chance. Now, I mean, I was, when I talk about the effort going to, to game, what, four? Yeah. We'll see a difference. Maybe it's more effort. Maybe they're, they're, they're finding a way to defend that pick-and-roll action with Jokic and Murray, but we'll see. Joy, a lot went right for the Nuggets. A lot, historically right for the Nuggets. Yeah. Like, like yeah. literally historically. They had a historical performance from their two best players. But who do you blame for the Heat's loss? Uh, I mean, I blame Jokic. 
I would blame the Heat's effort. Uh, Jimmy Butler is not going to go up to the postgame and say they are better players than us. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing else he, he can say mm. except for they didn't play well and they needed more effort, which yeah. is exactly what he said. He's not going to go up there and say, you know what, it's really amazing that we're even here and we even got that win because they're so much better than us. They're mm. so much more talented than us. That's not what he's going to say. That's why I don't put too much emphasis on p- these interviews. Like, sometimes right. you can get something interesting. But in general, you're going to get coach speak. You're going to get player speak. And that's what it is. What went wrong for the Heat, outside of Jokic obviously having a historic night, which he did, and Jamal Murray going off and just, man, there's nothing really in basketball right, right now, and I don't want to be too hyperbolic, than a Jamal Murray dagger is like, crazy like there's a sound to when he shoots the ball and it just goes that 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 straight line into the basket was incredible to watch but for me what went wrong for the heat outside of yes them being a little tired and the effort and go going after those rebounds that they could get that Jokic did not already pick off of the sky was the shooting and it's what happened in game one and I think you saw it again Bam and Jimmy had good nights but Gabe Vincent did not have a good night. He had seven points. Max Schuess did not have a good night. He had three points. Duncan Robinson had nine points, but two of those three-pointers were in garbage time yeah. when it wasn't really necessary. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Those guys have to contribute their part. They don't have to be superstars. They don't have to be Jokic, but they do need, you do need nine points from Duncan Robinson when it matters. You do need... Max Schuess to score his 10 points. You do need Gabe Vincent to score his 14 points. You need that. And if you look at the game, had they scored like that, we might be having, a, probably would be having a different conversation right now, even with the Jokic and Jamal Murray contributions. Because look at the rest of the, of the Nuggets. Aaron Gordon had a nice night, 11 points. He was very impactful. Michael Porter Jr., can't find him. Can't find him. Christian, Christian Brown Good stepped in. He Christian Brown, 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 the rookie. Christian well. Brown, the rookie, mm-hmm. stepped in. Mm-hmm. You got six points from KCP. Go down the list. It wasn't a great night for everyone last right. night. It was a historic night for Jokic, a great night for Jamal Murray, and Christian Brown stepped up while the Heat players who you needed contributions from did not Let contribute. me ask you this then, Joy, because then technically, not what I'm hearing, because you're, you're saying what you're saying. How I'm interpreting it is, the two best players for both teams played well. Well, I mean, the two best, the, the best player on the court, Jokic, had a historic night. Had a historic night. Um, a historic night, obviously, for Jokic. I don't think Bam yes. is capable of having a night like that. But Bam get, played really well. He did, he did play did. well. Played really well. KCP, Bruce Brown, uh, MPJ, none of those guys played all that well. Mm. What I'm wondering from your perspective is, what are you more likely to see? In the sense that the only game the Heat have won this series, we've only played three, so everybody calm down. But the only game the Heat have won, they shot 48% from three. 48%. In the playoffs, they shoot 39. In the regular season, they shoot 34. When they lost game one, they shot 33. I think last night they shot 31. So what do you think is more nearly to happen, a game two performance or a game one and three performance? I think it's somewhere in between the game one and Game two performance. Hopefully it's not as bad as game one, but you can't count on being as great as game two. But at the end of the day, ju- you don't need to do that. If, if you have performances from your best players who should play their best at this moment, which is essentially what's happening outside of game one, Jimmy played great, Bam played great, Jokic played great, Jamal Murray played great. What's everyone else going to do? That's when the rest of the roster has to step up. But you don't need all-time great performances from those guys. You just need them to shoot their average. You just need them to shoot what they average in the postseason. So that is what I expect. And once again, we're in the finals, so they're capable of doing that, and that's what the expectation should be. Slick, let's talk ball, you and I, for a second. Um, do you, where do you stand on the Heat role players? Like, if they were just to play their average, we're also to assume that the Nuggets players aren't going to play, the role players won't play their average. Yeah. Because MPJ didn't play his average, KCP didn't play his average, yeah, Bruce yeah. Brown didn't play his average. Yeah. So where do you stand? Like, can the Heat players, role players, get away with just playing average? Or do they kind of have to go above and beyond? <sighs> No, I don't think they have to go above and beyond, but I do think that there is a connection between... I look at what Jokic and Murray did, and, and, and Christian Brown, a lot of what he got was off of what... You, and Aaron Gordon, yep. 
was off of what Jokic and Murray were doing. So they're going and they're scoring at a level with the pick and roll that forces Miami to focus on them. And now if I just move and make myself available, I'm going to get looks if I'm a Denver Nugget role player. With Miami, their execution and the combination of Jimmy and Bam being so effective and aggressive that now Denver starts to pay more attention to them is going to open up those looks. But Denver is very uh, aggressive and uh, athletic, and they have the ability to defend too. Yes. So if they just make those Heat role players take contested shots as opposed to the wide open shots, they're going to live with that and the percentage is going to come down. And that's not what they did consistently in games one or games two. Game one... Miami hits all of the wide open shots and maybe that's a different story. What we saw in game three was, oh, whew, if Denver really comes and makes things challenging for Miami, do those role players have the ability to still score mm -hmm. at a high level contested? So like, one that's, of the no, that's a good point real quick because yes, sir. you was comparing when she talked about the role players. I'm like, dang, Joy got a point. But then you came out with like, well, listen, the role players for the Nuggets ain't really played that good either though. So if the Nuggets players play well and then the role players from the Heat. the Heat play well, I still think the Nuggets should win because overall, they're a better team. Mm. Is that what you, the point you're trying to make? That, that is the point I'm making. Do we have the Eric Spolstra sound? Joy makes a great point. You can't always deduce things from sound. I was watching the game last night at the house. Eric Spolstra post-game, he said something that was fascinating. If we got the sound, let's, let's play it. So you have to expect there to be elite talent uh, in, the, in the finals. And both those guys are elite-level talent. Uh, at our best version, we've find ways to overcome that. Hmm. Oh, here's what was fascinating about that. And I was listening. I thought of you, Shady, honestly, and because that, that pause. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> he said, we have elite level talent. They, they have elite level talent. Yeah, yeah. Usually, the coach would say, and we got elite level talent too, right? It's the kind of standard. Yeah. But he was like, Eric Spolstra is brilliant. He's brilliant. We met him when when we were in Philadelphia yep, with yep, our head yep. coach, Eric Spolstra, to come to our team. He's brilliant. He's intelligent. He was like, they got elite level talent. And when we're at our best, we can overcome that. Mm -hmm. That's why to me, yeah. there's a layer of like the heat to me got to be at their yeah, best. Absolutely. I don't know that it, they can just be who they are. Did you take anything from that sound? Do you not take anything from that sound? Joy Slick, where, where do y'all land on, on it? I mean, no, because we know who the Nuggets are. They're the number one team in the Western Conference. They are a great team. There's nothing to poke holes with in with this team. Yeah. That's what they are. We were seeing it. We've seen them be great. We've seen every player on this roster have the capability of being great, and things have to come together. But that's why we play the games. Yeah. You, have, yeah. you can have something absolutely gorgeous on paper, put it out there, and it doesn't yeah. work. True. Yeah. All so, the time happens uh, like that. Uh, so it, it, you have to play the games. And that's what Spolstra also knows, and that's what the entire Eastern Conference knows. Yeah. Because there were, of course, more talented teams that the Heat beat on their way here. Right. And the Heat played what in order to get here? Right. Great. Yeah, yeah. So if they are capable of playing great, then they're capable of winning the series. If they don't play great, they won't win this series. The Nuggets as a whole may not have to do that because they have the so, best player yeah. on the planet on the court. And that's the heart of it is that, and, and this is where it's difficult for Jimmy and, and Spo to talk at the podium about what they face and how they overcome a Denver Nuggets team that plays as hard as they do. Because mm -hmm. that's always been their whole card, which is we're going to outwork you. Well, if you're playing a more talented team and they match your effort, Jimmy can say we need to find a way to play harder. But as Shady said earlier, like I didn't feel that there was a, a massive lack of energy or effort overall by Miami. There were definitely some moments. There was there was okay. some, there was yeah, some look, rebounds, there was and some, some sloppiness but, that, that isn't normally there. But some of that was also created by how much force yeah, that Denver right. played with right. that we did not see in right. the first two games. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it hangs in the balance. Like, okay, we're both playing hard and we're going at it. And 
And now we got guys who can just get right. things a little bit easier. Yeah. To me, that's the difference. Well, you speak of talent. There is maybe no great, more talented point guard in this generation than Chris Paul. And in case you missed that breaking news, the era in Phoenix with Chris Paul, it could come to an end. Reports say Chris Paul will be out of Phoenix. If he leaves, what team needs him most? Wait, that's next. That's not true. Cliff is just as good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, Chris Paul might be in need of Indeed because he might be in need of getting a job here in a second. Now, the Phoenix Suns still currently employ him, but reports are saying he might be released soon. 12-time All-Star met with the team to discuss his future, which could involve, like I said, being waived or being traded. Now, another report says CP3 would like to return to the Suns. Slick, I, don't, I won't do this off camera, on camera, but as I measure it, Chris Paul's a top five point guard all time. For me, he's right there around five. We'll have that conversation later. The urgent conversation to have now. Top point guard, one of the greatest in the game of basketball. He might be a free agent. Where should he go? What team needs him most to win a championship? I would say the Los Angeles Clippers mm. because of, and I, look, I know the immediate pushback is, wait a minute. We got Kawhi Leonard is always hurt. We got Paul George is always hurt. Now you're going to give us Chris Paul who's always hurt. Like, what are you thinking, Buker? Well, Number one, they've had depth and they've demonstrated that they can play and be successful, relatively successful, even when those guys are out. Yeah. So there is that. And I just, again, if I'm going to go to the team that could use him most, what they, what they desperately need is they need a playmaker and a floor general. Fair. Paul George has that role by default. And he can be good at it, but I don't want a steady diet of it. And most important... They have everything else. He doesn't have to be a scorer. He doesn't have, he, he's, defensively, they can protect him in a way that, that few other teams can. And, and because of all their depth and because of Paul George, like I'm not asking him to play a lot of heavy minutes through the year. I really just want to have him available so that when we get to the postseason and I need somebody to organize us, if we have our requisite talent, that I can get there. I don't know if we're going to get there. Maybe we're just throwing another log on the bonfire. Mm -hmm. Very possible. But as I look at the Clippers constituted, that's the one really missing element they have, which is a guy who can get everybody organized and keep the ball moving. But Slick, here's my frustration with what you're saying is the Clippers have never won a championship. They've never even been to the NBA Finals. What There's better Paul, reason than to go get another one? He played in his prime. In his prime, he was yes. on the Clippers. And yes. it wasn't for lack of talent. I mean, DeAndre Jordan in his prime, Blake Griffin in his prime, Chris Paul in his prime. They had guys. They had a championship coach in Doc Rivers. Obviously, y'all know how I feel about Doc. So <laughs> why would he go back to the Clippers thinking he could win a championship if that organization doesn't even have championship DNA? Well, there's, there is going and winning something and having the, uh, the respect of being the first, okay. bringing that championship to an organization. And then there is going someplace else. And I'm just looking around, and you could say, like, say the Boston Celtics. Well, they've won championships. But is this team a championship-caliber team or not? Or do you, like, where do you put them in the equation? And I think that's, I think that's a worthy place. But I'm just looking at, I'm looking at a couple things. One, you don't have to move, or you don't have to move very far. Mm -hmm. I think he already has a, has a home in LA, yeah. right? He's, fam he's familiar with that group. Um, and you're going to get the lion's share of credit in terms of Understood. where things go. If he goes to Boston, are we going to look at him? How much credit are we going to give him? You tell me, Joy. You tell me. I mean, who cares about credit at this point if you're Chris Paul? Right. <laughs> I don't care Let's about credit. I'm going to get a ring. I've, I've paid my dues in the NBA at this point. I've, I've tried to get to a championship. That sounds good, but Chris Paul. Like, I mean, Thinking sure, of Chris Paul like just being he, a ride-along is hard for me to imagine. I mean, ride-along, it's, it's, that, that's, that's I, I, I wouldn't care. I, would, mm. I, I got a ring. I don't yeah. care. Uh, if I contribute during the regular season, mm. um, I'm fine with that at this point, which is why I, I struggle to see the Clippers because while all of what you said makes sense, Clippers and title don't go together. Oh, yeah. Oil and water. It's always the first time. There's always a first, but... Shady and poverty. You know, it's just... 
Like, there, it just, uh, that's a lot. That's a big ask to me. Whereas I also feel like the Celtics need what Chris Paul provides. I do agree with that. They don't, they, they have the ability through their depth to compensate for any possible time he might miss. They need a leader. They need somebody to create yeah. a culture, to, to, to put everybody in place. This is what we need to do. Stop doing this. Listen to me here. Mm-hmm. I have the respect of the room. They don't have that. So uh, on top of what he can contribute on the court as a playmaker, mm-hmm. I think the Celtics makes the most sense. And, yes, the Celtics are closer to winning a title than the Clippers are. The Celtics were in the NBA Finals last year. Shady, when you think about a team like the Sixers, right, they have Tyrese Maxey, they have Joel Embiid, they have um, all these different, James Harden, you never know, he might, he might stay there, they might yeah. retain him depending on what the new coach desires. What do you make of that organization? How, how you know that was my pick? You just know your boy? I mean, think about it. First really? of all, it's the hottest sports city out right now. <laughs> Football, they doing their thing. Basketball, doing their thing. I'm going to be there. No, I'm gonna be there. On a serious note, like, so you talk about Tyrese. Uh, uh, Maxi. Ty- yeah, Maxie. Young point guard that's up and coming. Going to be a superstar. You bring in a guy like Chris Paul. They already got an MVP, so he's going to take the majority of, of the pressure, of the scoring, of the defense, right? They need guidance. The Sixers need a leader. Yeah. Right? They ain't a vocal leader. No, no, Joel. Take your ass in that post. No more threes. <laughs> Bang. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, we need that in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I think that if we have a guy like, like Chris Paul, even uh, Tobias Harris, right? We get the most out of him. I, I think we have a, a leader and a, and a floor general. It, it changes the game. Right? So now it's not a coach in your ear. It's your player. And a guy like Chris Paul, you're going to respect them. Shady, so, that's the move I like. Okay, let's yeah. be real, though. Philadelphia, real. baby. Because this sounds cute and all, but... Oftentimes when a great, even if they're a historical great, if they're way over the hill and they come to the organization and they start talking all that talk, I'm looking at them like, come on, bro. You're not letting Chris Paul like that. I understand. That sounds cool, but you're not looking at him like that. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, at their young age, have gone as far as Chris Paul has ever gone in the NBA playoffs. If I'm not, no, they've gone further. They went to the NBA Finals. Yeah. And then they've gone as far multiple times when you want to talk about the conference finals. So, except Chris Paul went, yeah, in 2020. He was, so he how was is Chris Paul going to try to tell Jason Tatum and Marcus and Jalen Brown, assuming Marcus Smart moves on, or how is he going to even try to tell Joel Embiid or James Harden, like, hey, I know how to win a ring. I know how to get to the promised land. It, how is he going to do that? First of all, it, it's, it's not just, I'm not going to win a ring. It's the respect level. You tell me they're not going to respect Chris Paul in the locker room? They will, but okay, so end? L- l- follow me, right? And, and we're going to get this together. Where are you taking me? Where are you taking me if I Listen, follow you? You know what it is? Y'all talent. Y'all, no, seriously, I'm being serious. Yeah. Y'all talent, my knowledge, right? Yeah. Even as a vet, you don't know the, the type of things he's doing to, pre- to prepare himself mentally for a game. He could get them boys all type of game mentally. Then we take it to the court. We're going to use it. Look, I'm not, he's averaging 12 points right now. He's not scoring a lot, but it's, 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 it's his presence and his knowledge. When he come in that locker room, and the way they practice might be different. The way they approach the game might be different. We get on that court, yeah, oh, Joel, go out there, you score the buckets. But see here. Hold on, hold on. Jason, tell him, go score the buckets. But I'm going to direct y'all the way to do it. You need that. Because who's going to tell Joel and be stop shooting threes? We saying it. Right. But, it, but Chris it, Paul said it's a different line. There's, there's, there's a place in the middle there because, to Acho's point, like, when I've gone farther than you have as a vet, and, I, and we're trying to win a championship, and you're going to tell me how we're going to win a championship, I'm like, where's your ring? Like, what, did that, you, what did that get what you, you, though? What do you know? You got, say, you, you got farther, you still don't have a ring. No, 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 Chris understood. Paul? Understood. Yeah, but, but the other, <laughs> the part what they will respect is the way Chris Paul comes to work every day. Yes, right. He will hold guys accountable. And, and that's a big part with Embiid. Like, you got to be smart. Game in, game out. you got to build good habits. So I get that. The distinction, and again, where I'm going to come back with the Clippers is that they haven't been on the cusp of that where, where, where Chris Paul with Paul George and with, in the same way that they invited, they brought Russ Westbrook in and Kawhi and Paul George were like, we will make room for that voice in here. And we will make room for you to have the presence that you'd like that Chris Paul needs in order to be there. And I just don't that's, know that's that tough, with boy. the Celtics. Well, I want, I want Ooh, Joy's input because I'm, I'm just on the other side. I hear you all side. I respect you all side. I understand you all side. I'm just on the other side of like, 
I don't know that if I'm Joel Embiid and I'm coming off an MVP season, mm-hmm. that anybody can tell me what to do. Like, well, I'm, I'm not, Joel Embiid. You, you're probably not going to win much. Yeah. Well, I'm going to win as much as Chris Paul in my mind. No, but you're not because Chris Paul's been further than you. They've never been past the semis. And neither, but neither has, like, I but don't know how Chris about, Paul can say anything. It's not about further than me. It's not about that. Like, right. it's, you can have somebody who hasn't achieved as much as you, if you're talking about individual, mm-hmm. because he has MVP and Chris Paul doesn't. But you haven't won yet. Neither so, is Chris. Though. Okay, but together maybe but together, we can. That's what so it if is. you're gonna sit there and keep saying I got the formula, you don't. Right. There are yeah. things that I know how to do because I am actually an OG in this league that you aren't doing, that right. you are not capable of doing because you haven't had somebody put you on game yet. Then maybe Chris Paul's that person. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's not. But. You, where's the arrogance coming from? Right. Where's the arrogance coming from for the Celtics? Oh, oh, we've been there. Do we give you been there rings to somebody? You get you been there banners? That don't mean nothing. The Chris be- Paul's trying to win a championship, and he has, he has the, the resume and the work ethic of an all-time great. Yeah. Oh, they, it, no matter right. that they're veterans or not, they haven't won anything. If you're talking about putting him on a team that's trying to get back to win a championship or something like that, that, to me, that's different. But there's a lot that goes into winning, and there's a balance there. And those teams have a not won. There's, there's also the benefit of him being the point guard. Yes. Which is, I, look, Joel, I can get you this, right? That, that's very powerful in the room. If we play this way, if you do this, we can get this and you will get this. So the fact that he's running the show gives him the opportunity to show Embiid how he can make his job easier. And if you do that, then that guy is going to fall. I'm just saying thinking about it. Y'all kind of disrespecting some of these greats. Let me, give you, let me ask you a question. Like who? How do you feel about Rondo? He's not nowhere near Chris Paul. He's yeah. solid. But I think it was a phenomenal okay, four So when he was in, okay, yeah. now in the bubble, they talked about how Rondo was Playoff such Rondo. a big part. Yeah. Because it was times of AD, and we see AD. He want to shoot threes. He want to get hot. No, no, AD. You're not getting the ball until you get in the, in the post. Mm-hmm. Even I've seen times he was checking LeBron James. This is LeBron James, the king. Yeah. Nah, you got to play better defense. You got to get him. You need certain players, bro, to play a role. It's not about, like, how many points or, or, or if you win a ring or not? Let me, let me ask, though, Shady, because Rondo was a key component of the 2008. He was a big. He was a key component of the 2008 Boston Celtics yep. championship team. Paul Pierce. He was the fourth. The fourth. The fourth. The fourth. Okay. But he was a key component of he that He was the fourth role on that, though. He yes, was younger. Sir. Okay. Yes, sir. My point being, if Rondo's telling me, like, hey, this is what it takes to win a chip. All day. You think, All day. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, let me get straight. So you, you think the team will listen to more what Rondo's saying than Chris Paul? If it pertains to championships, I'm simply saying no. Rondo has been there. He's no. won one before. Yeah. First of all, when they won in the bubble, Rondo was older. He wasn't the same. He wasn't. He wasn't even playing as much. Right? Agreed. Okay, Agreed. so when he got there, it's like, well, well I mean, you was, you was a good player, right? And you weren't rings, with, but you won with Kevin Grant. If you were talking about how young dudes think, they'll start saying that. Oh, you won with Kevin, Durant, Kevin Garnett. You won with uh, Paul Pierce, mm-hmm. Ray Allen. That, they'll play that game. But no, it was a respect thing. Rondo earns respect because of his resume and his knowledge. When you're a smart player like that, all the young guys look up to that. And when he got in that court, he was, he was a, a floor general. It's the hey, same hey, thing as Chris hey, Paul. the question is... Can Chris Paul still get it done at the level to make that impression? Because I still got, it's not, knowledge is one thing. Okay. I still have to be able to perform on the court, and I still have to be able to get busy. And if I can't, it doesn't matter how much I've done, it doesn't matter how much I know, the young guys are going to go, oh, gee, like, you were. I mean, I mean he's not sorry. Hold that thought, hold that thought, hold sorry. that thought, hold that thought. Let's revisit this conversation when we return. Damn, a little rude. bit more to expand Ooh. on this Chris Paul breaking news. And then we will get to what else we have in store for y'all. Every now and then, you got to take a detour when great conversations arise. Return for that combo next on Speak. That was brutal, Angel. Whoa. A little bit. A little difficult. <laughs> Chris Paul? Chris Paul, we ended it slick with you making a point, us having an off-camera discussion. Yeah. To me, it takes more than just leadership for Chris Paul. Yeah. Five of his last nine playoff appearances, he's missed time due to injury. I don't just want his leadership. If he's going to talk about winning championships, I want him there to do it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Where are your thoughts? What do you think? Well, I, I, we've seen some of this with the Phoenix Suns. Haven't we seen Devin Booker kind of step up? Now, when it, when it first came, when, when Chris Paul first got there, they desperately needed him to elevate the team, and he took them places that they could not go. Devin Booker needed to learn how to win. But 
what we've seen over the course of this past season and in these playoffs is Devin Booker started taking a bigger role, even with Chris Paul there prior to him getting hurt, because Chris Paul couldn't do the same things that he could previously. And that's, you know, we're just given these notes, and this is what jumped out at me. Like, only three players got on the court last season at age 38 plus. LeBron James, Andre Iguodala, and Udonis Haslam. That's what Chris Paul is going to be next year. And is he going to be LeBron? Well, even LeBron only played 55 games, right? LeBron wasn't LeBron. Iguodala was invisible. Haslam basically done. So that's, that's part of the equation here is you just can't bring me the, 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 the 411. You can't just bring me, even you, with you, Shady, like breaking down tape and showing me what it is I need to do. I need to see you demonstrating that in games in order for me to follow you and believe that you can help me get where I want to go that I haven't gone previously. We had one of the most fascinating conversations before the show, pivoting the conversation a little bit, about can Chris Paul still win a title? We had that conversation uh, in our pre-show meeting. Shady, where do you stand now on that aspect of the dialogue? Like, can Chris Paul as a starting point guard, you still think he is viable as a starting point guard to go start on a team and win a title? I, I think so. I mean, you can never have enough of a, a talented, smart floor general. Right? I think you put him on any team, he's going to find a way to contribute. Even with the, 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 the small period of time with, with the Suns, when Kevin Durant came in there, like, he kind of still was the floor general. Now, mm -hmm. now the thing is, uh, I got two guys that's going to average 60 points a game. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to score as much. I don't have to have a lot of volume of my shots. But as far as putting them in position to make plays where they should be at, assignments, like, that's what you need from a player like that. And he still could, he still could present that. Shady. And then, hold on real yes, quick. Sir, yes, sir. You go to, like, a, a different teams that present better defense. Where now, because sometimes they want to pick on CP3 on defense. You go to a team where they have better defense, you can hide them better. He's even more of a bigger factor for that team. How dare you guys Shady, talk? But, no, no, but oh, here's how dare you guys, Shady, Shady. I don't want to hear no Shady, Shady. Shady. How no, dare no, no. you guys Shady, sit up here on this show, speak, Shady. and speak nonsense I, about a dude like Chris Paul because he can't be the same offensive scorer. He's not looking at the same over his resume. I always, Sounds crazy to I me. I know when Shady's going to make a big point. I can't believe Highlighter, not the pen. And then when he really goes nuclear, he puts the highlighter down. And now I'm going to get busy. Shady, I'll just put it to you this way. Put it to me anyway. Pause. When Chris Paul played through the first game and whatever against the Nuggets. Okay. How did they play and what did they do? They attacked them on defense? Yeah. And, okay. and they lost. Right. And then he goes out and Devin Booker and KD start to go off because they were playing faster. I'm just saying, they, when things like that happen, it gives a team pause in terms of, is this guy really the guy that needs to be leading us, or do we need to look someplace else? And if you ask Booker and Kevin Durant quietly, peacefully, you think y'all was better without Chris Paul? Or, without, or with him? Who would you think they say? Uh, all I know oh, is that man. right now, they've waived him. So I mean, well, I mean, if KD and well, Book feel that way, they're not they, making that, we don't their voices heard. We that he's been waived. Joy, yet. chime in. Can Chris Paul still win a title? Can he? Not still. Can he win a title as a starting point guard on a, on a team? I mean... Maybe. It's, it depends on the team. Like, it's, it's not, not with any team. You can't just put him anywhere. But I, I don't think that that's what anyone's expecting of Chris Paul. <laughs> right? Like, that's – or he, we wouldn't be having this conversation about him moving on from the Suns. Right. I think he can contribute as a leader and as a factor on a team that can compete for a title. But he is going to be most valuable as a floor general and as a leader. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not going to be the guy that's going to go in and give you – High-level offensive production, right. but that's what—that's not really what he's been for a while. He's going to dish it. He's going to command the floor, and he's going to provide a veteran presence, which is really very valuable to the right team. Very well said. Well, the Nuggets, the Heat—they're both been the right team in their respective conferences thus far. But the Nuggets just got a major W in last night's Game Three. Joker and Jamal Murray went crazy, could not be denied. What in the world did the Nuggets prove when we return? And we'll try to get Shady a cough drop. Next, on Speak. I'm just trying to figure out what we're talking about. Chris Paul.
Here with my guy Slick, Rick the Buker. Uh, okay, but we're not on camera, so y'all could not see that emphatic uh, fist bump yeah, that we just gave y'all. Yet. It was amazing. It was amazing. Okay, Nuggets took care. No, you know what? Bring us on camera. No, no, no. Bring us on camera. I'm upset now. Now I'm actually offended. Can we stop looking at them? Thank you. This is what y'all missed, but the first time it was impassioned, y'all. I mean, it was like, it we are really strong. brothers. We are really yeah. brothers here. Yep. Jamal Murray, Jokic, they both took care of business. They made history. Two 30-point triple-doubles from a duo. We've never seen it before. I'm trying to figure out how in the world it happened. I want y'all to know how it happened. So, Slick, help break down on tape what exactly <sighs> happened and what went right. This is what I love about the Nuggets. Uh, nothing is ever as it appears. Okay. The misdirection and the ability to make the Miami Heat think one thing is happening. You're about to see Jokic do his best version of an NFL quarterback. Makes eye contact with Christian Brown. Caleb Martin knows that Brown is looking at him. Gotcha. So when he cuts... Martin is saying, oh, I got to defend this because he's looking there. And, oh, we got the ball fake. The ball's up high. Oh, no, I'm not going there. Max Struess, I'm going to make you think I'm going to the corner because I need you to fade Skip. out of this picture. And now I'm going to feed Gordon right in the middle. Caleb can't get to it. I'm going to lead him into an easy layup. So that's all Jokic right there being a cerebral just, player. Just using his eyes mm. and ball fakes to move the heat around to get the ball where he wants. What happened here? Same thing here. Hey. We're, uh, Bruce Brown, we're going to go get you a three-point shot in the corner. We're going to drive and kick to the corner. Kevin Love has seen all this happen, so he's like, i got to cut off the baseline because that you. pass is going there. But Aaron Gordon knows this play is for him, so I'm ready. Oh, there's the ball. Layup. Murray has 10 assists in three consecutive games. Murray is not naturally known for being a guy that's just going to drop several dimes. There right. is a stat, I don't recall it off the top of my head, but first player with three straight 10-plus assist games in his first finals appearance, <clears throat> Jamal Murray might be in a league of his own doing that. Yeah. Slick, Murray, Jokic, who's the head of the snake? I keep hearing Jamal Murray's the head of the snake, but Jokic had 30, 20, and 10. Break it down for me. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's a little bit like the Kobe-Shack, any type combination they work off of each other. Jokic is the one who drives everything. If you're asking the question, who needs who, who more, Murray needs Jokic. But Jokic also needs that guard. You need those situations where when we're just going to go get something, I can put it in your hands and we can set a screen and run some diversion and you can get, go get a bucket. That's what makes that combo so dangerous. Magic Johnson, Bob Cousy, Slick, as we head back to the desk, and Jamal Murray. Those are those three players, finals appearance, three straight games, <clears> 10 <throat> plus <throat> assists. So Jamal Murray has proven that he is an absolute beast. Joy, what are the Nuggets in totality? What did Jamal Murray prove in that game yesterday? Oh, man, I was going to say a lot of nice things about Jamal Murray until we just called him Kobe and Magic. <laughs> no, wait, wait, no, 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 I didn't say Kobe and Magic. Like, not feeling real great today. I don't think, like, did I take too much medicine? Um, I'm going to let y'all slide on that. This is, you know, I'm fucked. Who are you mad at? Are you mad, are you I mad know, at? But I just heard, I heard Magic, and then I heard Kobe Shaq. So I'm just push forward. Jamal Murray was incredible last night. As I said earlier in the show, his shot is one of my favorite things to watch in basketball right now. I would prefer he wasn't doing it against the Heat and do, do it less against the Heat. But I said yesterday at the end of the show, we said who was going to be the player that was going to make the biggest difference in the game. And I didn't say Jokic because Jokic, I didn't think Jokic was going to have a great game, and he had a historical game. But to me, Jokic is, is going to get his regardless. Yep. He's so good. He is going to do exactly what he wants to do all the time. To me, the effort needs to be put into everyone else. You can't stop Jokic. There is not a Jokic stopper on the Heat, while Bam has been really great. Yeah. He, He's so, not so much been can stopping. Yeah. He's been getting his, not stopping Jokic. Mm -hmm. Jamal Murray was unbelievable last night. And when he is playing like that alongside Jokic having historical nights, there's just really not a whole lot that you can do. But what the Nuggets proved to me last night really wasn't something that I was doubting. But I was, you know, entertaining the thought of this that, you know, maybe their lack of experience in this space would kind of rattle them a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I don't buy in. I didn't buy into it. But now I really don't want to have that conversation because the Nuggets are not only a great team, they're a well-coached team. 
they're not phased by a loss. Yeah. To go to the Heat, to, to Miami, and win that game is not a small thing. Yep. You're going on the road. It's the finals. You've, you've let one slide at home, which you're not supposed to do. Just, Realistically, you're supposed to protect. Happened. Yes, you, it hadn't happened. It was the first time this postseason. And you're supposed to protect home court in the finals. So they're a great team, and they have the mental fortitude to win on the road in the NBA finals. And that is a, that's a big thing. Shady, what they prove to you? Uh, their response. How to respond yeah. from a loss. Great answer. They haven't lost two games in back, back to back yet, right? And I just showed the determination from J- Jamal Murray and Jokic. They wanted that game. They showed it. Mm. The way they rebounded, they played in the paint. Everything you wanted from a, a championship team, a DNA team, they did that. We out-rebounded them, and we scored more points in the plate, and we played good defense. So if I had to put one thing on it, it had to be just the way they responded. Two seconds. All right, game four of the finals, it is tomorrow. But the problem is we're not going to be on air tomorrow. So we have to tell you all right here, right now, who is going Wait, to be off tomorrow? and why. I think we're, we're off tomorrow, right? Shady, oh. Shady, you've had this on your calendar for a month. No, I didn't, I didn't know. You just found out. Exactly. What? Shady, your bags are literally, you literally have a exactly. duffel bag. I'm being serious. I didn't know that. In your dressing room. It's like yeah. a, the, the reservation in Vegas like, is already It's like you in school, you get a holiday. I didn't Shady, know. I saw your car out front. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. The driver currently has a door open. Yeah, being funny. I'm being serious. I didn't know, though. But I'm going to take the day off. Stop. My bad. Ask the question. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> uh, Slick, who wins and why? Game four. Uh, I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight, but they have realized that they can't take half measures against this Miami Heat team. I think they're going to maintain that same energy and discipline, and it's going to be tough, but I think they're going to eke it out. If the Heat win, your prediction's dead with now. You know, you had Nuggets in five. I had Nuggets in five. Yes, well, that's did. one more reason why... <laughs> Come on, Nuggets. Joy, right. where, are you, where are you at on this one, Joy? What happened to our Heat after this? <laughs> uh, we'll get back there if they win game four. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say the Heat win the game at home and, uh, and head back to, to Denver even. Heat win at home, 2-5. You, you said that real quiet, oh. Joy. Um, <laughs> we got Nuggets in six. We got Nuggets in six. I, you know what? I, I think that the, the Nuggets are going to win the whole first half, third quarter, and then them, them, them hard-fighting Heat winning the fourth quarter. So going with the Heat. I think... Nuggets win this game, then I think Heat win the next game. Whoa. That's what I think. Nuggets win tomorrow.